Roy White's getting old, uh, talking about uh, <laughs> Sly and the Family Stone and Roy White. My next guest is a fan of both and, mm. of course, does a mm. great job from noon to one every weekday afternoon on all weekend long. And uh, we are still efforting to get him an honorary degree yes. from the great Edward R. Morrow Morrow High School where oh, Danielle went oh, in Brooklyn. Oh. What is the latest with that, Curtis? Curtis uh, well, I had mentioned it, uh, Darren Aronofsky, who had uh, directed The Whale. Yeah. And we thought the whale had to do with, you know, guys who go to Atlantic City, right, or Las Vegas. They give them, uh, you know, which Frank Morano is not. He's a little keely now, you know. <laughs> but when they give them everything, everything for free because they're going to gamble like millions and millions of dollars. I guess that's not what the movie is about. No, it's not. But anyway, he's a great director. He, along with your wife, uh, Danielle, were the two leaders of the annual Sing at uh, Edward R. Murrow High School, great high school, never gets uh, the attention that it needs. But I never, I never got a call from anybody. Never got a call. You made up the part about the graffiti. We actually reached out to Darren about that. And no, he, he is. He, he, he was never, a graffiti artist. No, he never did it. No, never once. No, he he's was actually a very nerdy guy. So. By the way, Edward R. Murrow, I'll never forget the great interview with Edward R. Murrow. Remember, he used to interview all the stars. Yeah. Uh, he had an interview with Liberace, and he was saying to Liberace. Oh, I understand you may be getting married soon, right? <laughs> and Liberace, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I always wanted to meet Princess Margaret in England. We have so much to get together in common. The guy was Elton John before there was uh, Elton John. Worse. Although Elton John, funny you bring him up, he did, I believe, marry at one point yes. Kiki D. A woman from Australia, right? Yeah, and they sang uh, Don't Go Breaking My Heart Together. Well, what is it about that? Remember Michael Jackson, that pedophile on a pedestal, married a woman <laughs> from Australia. He did. Elton John married a woman from Australia. Yeah. What is it about the Aussies in the land down now, under? I, I, well, Can't they recognize a gay guy when they see them? That's a very good question, Lewis. Next time Miranda Devine comes on, she's a part of Australia. Michael Jackson also married a girl from Tennessee by the name of Lisa Marie Presley. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know that was just show marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the real marriage. Yeah. Was that a real marriage? I don't know. But I mean, anyway, you, 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 met- you By the way, you've had five or six marriages yourself. Any uh, of those show marriages or are they all for real? Uh, let's just say I've had as many ex-marriages as I've had ex-radio partners. <laughs> We got to keep counting that. <laughs> yeah. And I've had bruising battles with all of them. All yeah. my exes, ex radio partners, ex marriages. Yeah. What Michigash, total Michigash. <laughs> but you, you, you know, I'm sitting shiver. I didn't bring the Hamantash in this morning for the death of number 25, Joe Pepitone. You had to love him. Oh, I did. Remember, oh. you know where he lived? He lived in Brooklyn. East 76th Street. Yes, right by you and Canarsie. Bodito, you know, right where Canarsie meets East Flatbush by Ralph Avenue. As kids, we used to stay by the Arch Diner, which was right on Ralph Avenue and Flatline. Because we heard that Joe Pepitone would go there sometimes before he would go to Yankee Stadium. I think that, is that diner still there? I think it is. Yeah, but it's not called the Arch. It's not called the Arch, okay. But... My Uncle Ralphie was driving livery cab at Rockaway Parkway, and sometimes you get the call. Hey, Joe Pepitone needs to go to Yankee Stadium. And my Uncle Ralphie was the biggest Yankee fan. He turned me into a Yankee fan because, remember, everybody in Brooklyn was a Met fan. Right. Coming off Still uh, is. sitting shiver for the loss of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Right. And he would regale me. And, and the Giants, too, don't forget. Right, but he would regale me with stories. My cousin, Lenny Beans, me on Chino. We'd be like, oh, talk about, yeah, Joe, it's this. And, and when you saw him get up there, the sweetest swing in all of baseball. The three guys had the sweetest swing. And I don't know. It's always lefties. Ted Williams. You had, obviously, Joe Pepitone. 
and Daryl Strawberry. Pretty I good. Mean, sweet swing. Pretty good. Don Mattingly had a pretty sweet swing, too. Yeah. Another lefty. Yeah, yeah you're pretty absolutely sweet. right. You're yeah. absolutely right. I'm telling you, this guy came up. He went to manual training, which was a vocational high school. Now it's John Jay and Park Slope. That's when Park Slope had a lot of gangs. He grew up there. He shot himself in the leg with a zip gun. He made a zip gun in metal class. He went Plaxico Burris? Yes. He <laughs> shot him and he almost destroyed his athletic career. But remember when he came up, you looked at him at first base, gold glove. Then later when Mantle retired, he was in center field. Yeah. He would yeah. make basket catches, yeah. gold yeah. glover. The guy was oh. just a great when, when you, player. When you, it's funny you say basket catches because the first name that comes to mind is the pride of Lincoln High School. Another very handsome Italian, oh. Lee Mazzilli. Oh. Lee Ma- Maz used to do that basket catch in center field. But you're right, Pepitone did it before him. And when I spoke to Roy White yesterday, we talked about a Pepitone passing away and what it was like for those late 60s. Yankee teams, Curtis, as you know, you had Roy, you had Mercer, you had Pepitone. Not a lot more. Not oh, a lot more. No, no, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. So I'm in left field. I mean, field. Horace Clark and Keith Oman's mother with a baseball. That was a big story. I'm in left field. This is, remember, after CBS. I hate CBS. A guy named Burke, who claimed to have been in the CIA, bought the Yankees and almost single-handedly destroyed them. They were down with baseman Bertha. This is after 64. The Yankees just barely lose the World Series to the Cardinals. You have two brothers. Ken Boyer playing third base for the Cardinals, MVP. And Cleet Cleet Boyer. Boyer for uh, uh, Bob Gibson, Mel Stoudemire. It was great. Then all of a sudden, the Yankees just started to take a dive. They were in last place. So me and my friends, we'd be in left field by ourselves. There may be 5,000 people in all of Yankee Stadium, which could seat 60,000. There's Roy White, number six. Roy, Roy. (laughs) He'd wave to us. He was such a nice guy. And then the vendor would come through. And he was selling Roy White Knishes. Roy White Knishes? Roy White was not Jewish. <laughs> no, he wasn't. You know, Rod Carew, yes. Roy he was White. a hamper Jew. Rod Carew, a hamper Jew. Hey, let me tell you, take <laughs> everyone that you can get, Sid. <laughs> everyone. And Maddox, remember, uh, less of, uh, not less than Maddox. No, Elliot Maddox. Elliot Maddox, right. Yeah, he, he played for the, both the Mets and the that's Yankees. That's right. He was a Jew. Don't yeah, take he, that he away from He was also him. kind of a half Jew. Okay, but, hey, yeah. you put yeah. them together, you got one Jew. So do you agree then, because you really, you're a great sports guy. Yes. People don't know this. Some do, some don't, that you did sports shows for many years. Yeah, and you got fired twice. Twice. And you're a big Yankee guy. Do you agree? Yes. And the reason why I brought up Paul O'Neill yesterday was because he's the last person to be put in the Yankee Monument Park. Yep. And then I made a very good argument why it was right to do that for Paul. But my argument was for, for Roy, Paul spent a bunch of years in Cincinnati yep. before he became a great, deserved Yankee. Roy spent his whole career in the Bronx, was there for the lean days you were talking about. Steinbrenner bought the team, was there for the Reggie Jackson days, won those two World Series, spent all 15 years in the Bronx. If you're Randy Levine, you have to put Roy White in Monument Park, I, I, I a yes or no? I concur. Not only that, maybe the most book-read baseball player you'd ever want to meet. When I sat next to him at a Yankee dinner, the guy just keeps reading books. Smart. Morning news. And he came from South Central Los Angeles. Compton. So, Compton. That's right. Look at Daryl Strawberry. He came from the same neighborhood. Daryl Strawberry ends up uh, smoking crack, destroying his career. Roy White, the calmest, coolest, collected guy. Unlike Paul O'Neill, who had anger management issues. Oh, he's a psycho. Oh, I love yeah. that. He'd take that baseball yeah. back yeah. to the cooler. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the way. I love it, too. I mean, he, listen, Paul was terrific. But, and, again, I only brought him up because he's the last guy to get in. But Roy White deserves that day. He just does. 
And like you said, I mean, just the consummate gentleman. He'll never ask for it. And my no, fear is, no, no. you know, they do these things, Curtis, when people die. Oh, posthumously, Roy White put Monument Park. Don't do that. If no, you're no, considering it, do it now oh, while he's still alive. Oh, I'm getting a ni- nightmarish headache. Remember, John Lindsay moved the Yankees to Shea Stadium for yes. two years yes. to redo Yankee Stadium. Here's Bobby Mercer in Centerfield. He's supposed to be the next Mickey Mantle. He never hit a home run in two years at Shea Stadium. <laughs> what happened? He was never the same after that. The curse of the Mets were upon the Yankees. Now, you're a very, very tough guy. I give you credit all the time. Thank Even you. Bo does occasionally. Thank you. Thank you. And you've dedicated the better part of four decades of protecting people like me, and I appreciate that. Yes. But the first time I saw a grown man cry, and I mentioned this to Roy White yesterday, and Bucky Dent agrees, was 79 when Thurman Munson died. I, oh. I, I was born four years after President Kennedy was assassinated. Yes, yes, yes. Grown men cried in the streets. So the first time I saw a grown man cry was Munson. You, Curtis Sliwa, did you cry that day? Yes, of course. You did. Yeah. But I cried the other day when I heard Joe Peptitone die. Oh, you did cry. Well, remember, he has a lot in common with you, Sid, and a lot in common with me. Really? 1985, he's in a Buick Riviera all beat up with two guys from Canarsie, Rockaway Parkway. They got a car full of drugs. They're at Newport and Rockaway Avenue in the heart of Brownsville. He gets cuffed and collared and brought to the 73rd precinct. You know what that is, Bo. And he gets booked, and he says, yeah, I'm Joe Pepitone. Could I at least make a call to my family so I could let them know? He never tried it. I'm Joe Pepitone. They put him through Gold Street Central booking 100 Skimmerhorn Street. He was looking at 15 years. He had quaaludes. He had heroin. He had a 22. He was da- he had the black cowboy hat that Don Imus used to wear. Remember when he was <laughs> yes. getting booked? Yes. He was so dirty. He was so, oh, my God, he had crashed and burned. You thought it was over for Joe Pepitone, and yet somehow he made a comeback. Somehow he made a comeback. I'm telling you, this guy had everything against him, right? With, with mob guys, uh, gangs were trying to kill him when he was a teenager in Park Slope. You say Park Slope, people say, what are you talking about? Park Slope, one of the safest areas in the city. Back then, not, not event, it right. had all kinds of gangs. Yeah. This guy survived against all odds, came up to the Yankees, Number 25, and he's sitting there with Mickey Mantle, right? He's sitting there with Bobby Richardson. He's sitting with Elston Howard, and he was their equal at that time. Oh, yeah, he was. He was. How old were you in uh, 1957? 1957, I was only three years old. Oh, you were a baby. Okay. You you remember the, the day, you're too young to remember the day when the Giants left New York and the Dodgers left New York. We went from three baseball teams to one I until, may, until the I, Mets came I along five years later. I may have never experienced that, but that's all I would hear from the old Altachachas. The Giants left the <laughs> yeah. polo grounds. Oh, the Dodgers left, you know, Ebbets Field. And now they got that big housing complex there, you know, on the wall. It says Ebbets Field, but it's not the same. Oh, it looks terrible. And I went to school. I totally agree. I went to school just a few blocks away. Well, Pete, Brooklyn College. Is right Brooklyn there, too. Prep. Brooklyn Prep. Oh, Brooklyn yeah. Prep. Oh, yeah. Peter King always said, oh, Curtis Lee, he got kicked out of Brooklyn Prep. I graduated from Brooklyn Prep. We were only a few blocks away. <laughs> and I would hear the story that Gil Hodges would come over for the Brooklyn Prep baseball team and give him a little clinic, and he would hit balls over the school. Oh, it was amazing. Into Bedford Avenue. Thank God last year he finally got into the Hall of Fame. You talk about putting Roy White Monument Park. What the hell took so long to get Gil Hodges in oh, the Hall of Fame? Oh, my God. And, and, you know, John Lindsay he got elected mayor because the Mets 
a one in 69. Yeah. He knew nothing about sports, nothing about baseball. So his press guy said, you got to go into the med dugout and go up to Gil Hodges. He said, who's Gil Hodges? So he guided them. <laughs> Just say, I love the Mets. I love the Mets. Then he had the parade through the canyon of heroes. Yeah, yeah. He's there like he's a New York Mets. And he gets reelected because of that. Now, on the night when Reggie Jackson hit three home oh, runs God. off three different Dodger pitchers, Ooh. 1977, that was the most memorable summer maybe in the history of this town. You had the blackout. That was huge. And you had Son of Sam. So I don't know where you were in your Guardian you Angel know, days back then. No, you know where I was. Where were you? I was behind the counter at Mickey D's at East Fordham Road and Webster Avenue. I was uh, putting together the Big Macs, the uh, the uh, quarter pounders with cheese, the strawberry shakes. Oh, you shakes were working there. You were working yeah, there. Yeah, I was the night manager at Mickey D's, and we had the radio on. You had the radio, and, and that's where you formed the Guardian Angels when you were working at Mickey D's. That's right. So you had the radio on when Reggie was doing and his damage. And there were two things that happened. Howard Cosell with the worst rug that you could ever imagine in your life. He's talking, right, on the TV, say, oh, look look at the flames licking the tenements in the background. I used to go up there. That used to be the West Bank. That was your peeps all along the Grand Concourse. <laughs> Gentiles need not apply. <laughs> then they built Co-op City. They took over Freedom Land, the greatest amusement park ever along the Hutch. And that was it. And all the Jews fled to Co-op City. And the Grand Concourse went down. So there's flames in the background because blocks would burn down there and from arson. And then he said, and George Steinbrenner is thinking of moving the Yankees to the Meadowlands. I said, the Meadowlands, the oh only thing they moved there are dead bodies from organized crime and oh, garbage. Jimmy Hoffa. That's right. They were <laughs> threatening to move the Yankees, oh, and God. nothing was being done. Oh, yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. was being done. So it was the best of times. Three shots by Reggie Jackson. I mean, back to back, belly to belly. Who was the knuckleball idea? What was it? Charlie, Charlie Huff. Huff. Charlie Huff. He actually, Charlie Huff actually pitched the very first game ever in the history of the Florida Marlins organization. It was Charlie Huff, Bert Hooten, and Elias Sosa. Oh, man. You knocked it out. You hit the Damn trifecta, right. the Trinity, the Troika there. Boy, I wish you had some money on that one, right? You'd be walking out of here with a wheelbarrow full of money, which are the three guys, the Reggie. And not only that, he not only hit him, he said, I'm the straw that stirs the drink. Wasn't he great? And Greg Nettles is looking at him. If I had a 22, I'd oh. blow your brains out. Oh, they all hated him. I mean, they all hated him. What well, but- was the zoo? It was the, it was the, uh, the Bronx Zoo. Yeah, it was great. They, they were so dysfunctional. But you know... You're Reggie Jackson in talk radio. You do realize that. No, I'm not. Yeah, because you have said that you are the straw that stirs the drink here at WABC. And I can't disagree with that. (laughs) What is this? Yesterday, I'm listening. You said that this ingrate here, Macedonia Phil, had the second best instincts of all of radio. What happened to me? Did I really say that? Yes, you did. Then you may be third, Curtis. Wait a second. <laughs> Macedonia, he's a rookie. He's a new Jack. He couldn't even make the JV, never mind the freshman team yet. And because he goes out and schleps in your bagel with your schmear here, all of a sudden he has the second best instinct of all of radio. What do I got to do to be number two? I'll tell you what you got to do. Schmear on the bagel for you. Yeah, you you need to go to Essa Bagel at 6.40 on Friday morning before your segment, and you can oh, easily leapfrog him to number two. By the way, your friend Eric Adams opening up two halfway houses in Rockaway. What are you going to do about that? 114th Street, 119th Street, Peach, 119th Street. What are you going to do about that, Lou? Well, you and I are going to talk about that on Friday, because that's actually important. You know why it's important? Because it's close to my house. <laughs> exactly. And not only that, it's on St. Patrick's Day. Right, right. So we'll have a good time. That was a great segment. Thank you. You see... Somebody said to me last night at this event I was at with Jason Vinn and Christina Ricci, they go, 
I love it when Curtis is on because no one knows more about New York than Curtis. And that really is true. So thank you for that. Yeah, that was a great I'm second. Shiver for Joe Burbage, <laughs> I'm Joe, sorry. you were the best, I'm Joe. sorry. Yes, he was the best. And Roy White, Randy Levine, put him in Monument Park this summer. Make it happen.